0: Please open your copy of God's Word to Philemon verses 15 and 16. Philemon verses 15 and 16. God's Word says For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh. And in the Lord. (laughs) We all have baggage, don't we? Some people may be better dealing with their baggage, but we all have baggage. One of the great things about being a Christian is this. Even though we have baggage, forgiveness and reconciliation are found in a relationship with Jesus, in belonging to Him. And not just that, But even though we have baggage, it's also appropriate to say that forgiveness and reconciliation are found in a relationship with those who identify with Jesus Christians. Really, that's what the book of Philemon is all about. If you haven't done so already, open your Bibles to that little one-chapter book consisting of 25 verses in our English translation called Philemon. It really is a postcard of sorts. It deals with a private matter, but a private matter that we get to be privy to because of the wonders of Scripture. The marvelous mind of God being revealed in it. Now, when you think about the book of Philemon, write this one down. It is a book all about the art of Christian relationships. You know what one of the greatest blessings is of being a Christian? Relating to other Christians. You know what one of the hardest things is in being a Christian? Relating to other Christians, isn't it? So Philemon is a marvelous book dealing with the art of Christian relationships. When you look at this book, excluding Paul himself, reference is made to ten people. To ten different individuals just in one little book consisting of about 335 words in the original language. Short, it is. But it is a book about the relationship we have with God and one another, the fine art of Christian relationships. By Philemon in your Bible, you might want to jot down Ephesians 4.15. If ever there were a book about speaking the truth in love... It is Philemon. It is a book that marvelously balances contact and tact. Truth and love. Need to make contact with people with the truth. But we need to be tactful using love, the truth in love. It's amazing that some people think Jesus must have said in Matthew 10, 16, be as poisonous as a rattlesnake and as silly as a dove. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, be as wise as serpents and as harmless as doves. That is well worth our time and contemplation as Christians in how we relate to one another being a reflection of how healthy our relationship is with Jesus. The longer I live, the more I don't want to do anything that will hurt the church, the bride of Christ. I don't think anyone should. We need to be careful about what we say and how we speak about the bride of Jesus. But not only that, we need to be careful that our actions do not speak disparagingly of the church of our Lord. After all, he gave himself up for his bride, Ephesians 5.25. I've often smiled and said... People can say what they want to say about me. But if they talk about my wife, we're going to take it outside. And for 30 seconds, Waylon, a person's going to be given all that they can handle. And then 911 will need to be dialed for me. But it'll be 30 minutes of all anybody can stand. 30 seconds, rather. I wish 30 minutes. The idea of relating to others as Christians in a God-honoring manner. But you see, the book of Philemon also has this background. Because relating to other Christians can be so complex. Philemon is a Christian who had a slave by the name of Onesimus who had run away. Quite possibly, maybe even likely, taking some of Philemon's money or belongings when he ran away. And what any smart slave did, he went to the next biggest city that he could find. But there in that city, he encountered the Apostle Paul and eventually became a Christian. And the book of Philemon is all about how do we treat someone who has done us wrong now that they are not just a servant but a brother. And in the case of Paul, you see him really stressing to Philemon, don't be too hard on Philemon on the one hand, on Onesimus on the one hand, but on the other. Philemon, don't be too hard. Don't be too soft. But treat him like a brother because he's coming home. Now, that probably sets the tone about as well as I can do in this amount of time. Let me overview Philemon briefly and then offer a few thoughts about social injustice. The need for social justice, that's one of those buzz terms today. How should we speak as people of God I believe Philemon is a pretty good template to think about. In looking at the book of Philemon, it divides itself for us into three basic parts. The first section would be verses 1 through 7. And it has to do with appreciation. Paul is in prison when he writes this book. This book, Philemon, goes along well with the books of Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. All of these books, all four, were written between 60 and 62 A.D. when Paul was in prison, what we often call his first Roman imprisonment in all likelihood. He writes to convey his appreciation to Philemon. And when you look at the opening seven verses, he is commending Philemon as a brother in Christ for virtually everything that he can. He is not just pouring on accolades to butter him up. He's saying things that are true. Notice verses 4 and 5 as he refers to the love and to the faith of Philemon. And how that it's well known to the Lord and to many saints. And then when you look at the next two verses, verses 6 and 7, he turns them around. Having spoken of love and faith, he turns them around and deals with Philemon's faith and love. And how here is a man who is known for refreshing the saints. So many of the saints... To be around Philemon was to be around a brother in Christ that just made you love God more and encouraged you in the Lord. That company is always in need of more people. But here is a man who has this ability to refresh the spirits of others. God help us to have a similar spirit. Can I get an amen? Now notice verses 8 through 15. If 1 through 7 has dealt with his appreciation for his brother in Christ, Philemon, verses 8 through 16 deal with an appeal. An appeal. I thank God for you, verses 1 through 7. That's what Paul's saying about Philemon. Now he says in verses 8 through 16, I appeal to God concerning Onesimus to you. I appeal to you before God concerning Onesimus. And the word appeal is very important to verses 8 through 16. Really the appeal takes five forms In the English Standard Version, verse 8 begins with accordingly. You may have a similar word in the particular translation that you're reading from. He's saying, Philemon, you are well known for refreshing people's spirits. Refresh mine by considering this appeal, this favor, this gracious act on your part. You're known for your gracious acts and for refreshing other people's spirits. Refresh mine by this action. Secondly, the first appeal had to do with Philemon's gracious character, his godly character. The second one has to do with love. The love that exists between you and me Paul the prisoner and the aged. I tell you what, if the Apostle Paul were to say that to me, he could ask about anything he wanted and I would come through. To consider the fact that Paul's in prison and to consider the fact that he's old. By the way, for those of us that are in that neighborhood or beyond, most Bible students think that he was 60 or so at that time. I don't know for sure how old he was, but you know, 60 doesn't sound nearly as old as it did yesterday, does it? And for those of you that think that it's old, tomorrow you won't think it's nearly as old. But it was an old age at that particular time in history. Paul the agent... That's going to be verse nine now notice verse 10 and a third way of appealing to Philemon he refers to the conversion of onesimus the conversion of this slave that perhaps had taken money or valuables that belonged to Philemon I want you to know he's come to Jesus he is a brother notice verses eleven through fourteen as this appeal continues to unfold. Onesimus means useful. This former slave of yours who ran away and maybe took things when he did that didn't belong to him, he is useful in ministry. He may have been useful to you as a servant, but I'll tell you what Paul says, he's sure useful to me in ministry. And in a lot of ways, we would say that Onesimus must have been a right-hand man of Paul's. And the text, especially in verses 10 through 16, go to great lengths to talk about verse 16 especially. A beloved brother in the Lord, Onesimus is... My very heart, I'm going to send him back to you with the idea that as I do it, I'm sending you my very heart as well. There is someone who means a lot to Paul in the service of God. And so the appeal is based on the usefulness of Onesimus in ministry. Then the passage, verses 15 and 16 That Carl read in our scripture reading. The appeal is based on the providence of God. Perhaps he left you for a while as a servant. That you might have him as a brother forever. I love the way this great apostle speaks of God's providence. Perhaps. I don't claim to know the mind of God, Paul says, but perhaps, just perhaps, when he left you as a non-Christian, perhaps in the great mind of God, it was in his will that he become a Christian, and he did, and that he come back to you as a brother. The appeal. Lastly, verses 18 through 25 deal with assurance. Assurance. If in verses 1 through 7 you have appreciation, I thank God for you, Philemon. And if in verses 8 through 16 I appeal to you, Philemon, before God on behalf of Onesimus. Now verses 18 through 25 deal with assurance. The confidence that Paul has that the people of God will do right before their God. This section you can put down as the gospel reenacted. The gospel reenacted. We talk about how in baptism the gospel is reenacted. Romans 6 verses 3 through 5 A death, a burial, and a resurrection occur. Well, something similar is seen, except in this time we've got Philemon, the owner, Onesimus, the former slave who'd run away, and Paul, the go between. And notice what Paul says first in verse 17. Listen, if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. Adam, it is almost as if one can hear the words of Jesus. Receive him, Father, even as you would receive me. He's mine. He's part of my family and part of yours. Receive him. Notice the next verse. Verse 18. Think of the Lord saying this, although it's Paul this time in reality. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge it to my account. Think of the fact that that is exactly what Jesus says about us as Christians. If he's wronged you in any way or taken things that he shouldn't, put it on my account. What I think is amazing here is Paul is an apostle and he has the authority to say to Philemon, you need to get your act together and treat Onesimus like a brother. That's not how he chooses to deal with the relationship, although we know, brothers and sisters, that would take that very approach. And maybe sometimes it's the person we look at in the mirror. What Paul does on this time is recognizing the goodness and faithfulness of Philemon and how God had worked in Onesimus' life. He has to have the confidence that the people of God will be forgiving and be reconciling to people who have baggage. Because Jesus has been. Now go down just a few more verses. Look at verse 21. And hear what he says. He says, I am confident that you will not only do this, but more. Do you see it? Can you not envision saying to G- Jesus saying to the Father for us, God, I am confident you will do not all, only all that I've asked, but more makes sense, doesn't it? And what happens is this. In a master stroke for dealing with other Christians, he holds up how God relates to us before Philemon. And he says that's how we need to relate to each other. I think that's an awfully hard model to beat. Don't you? Now what about slavery? What about social injustice? A world that is full of hate and injustice. How do Christians respond? What does this book have to say about response? If anything. First of all. The Bible speaks to us as individuals, and then the Bible speaks to us as a community of believers that can make an impact upon a community, a nation, and a world. The Bible speaks to us as individuals and as part of a community, the church first, But we can, as individual Christians and as a congregation of believers, make a bigger impact on a community like Midland and even on a nation. But it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to think that we're going to make an impact on the community and the nation without an impact by God being made on us and on this church. Secondly, God brings about great reform when he first brings out reform spiritually and morally. It seems to me that some Christians have the mistaken notion that we're going to be able to bring reform out politically first. There will be no real and lasting political reform until there is first moral and spiritual reform. We're just barking up the wrong tree to try to begin there first. I'm not saying it can't happen because I can think of how God raised up Joseph in Egypt, how God raised up Moses in Egypt at another point in time. I can think about how God raised up a Daniel in Babylon And Esther and Nehemiah in Persia. And during the Roman Empire, Jesus Christ would come during a time called the Roman Peace. God has worked within history. And it should be our prayer that God and His providence works in our lifetimes and the lifetimes of our family. To be salt and light, Matthew five thirteen through 16, as individual Christians, as a community, a congregation of believers, we must be salt and light if we're going to bring about moral and spiritual change. In people's lives. And I want to close with this. And I hope everybody gets it. And I'm going to say it in a way. That if you don't get it. You're going to have to work not to get it. Okay. Look if you will at Philemon. And the opening verses. Look at verse 2 especially. Where do grace. And joy. And peace. Come from. Grace and peace in verse 2, and you can continue on and see joy mentioned in the verses that follow. Where do grace and joy and peace come from? Where? Where, Jim Lorenz? No governmental system and no society can add more grace and peace and joy than God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Amen? No society or government, regardless of how good it is, can really add to the grace and peace and joy that we have in in the Lord. Now, I'm not saying we're not blessed people and that we don't enjoy remarkable freedoms even now. In this nation, don't misunderstand the point, but this nation does not add anything that really matters eternally as far as grace and joy and peace. Now, here's the opposite. If we were under the worst regime and the worst system known to mankind... That system and government and regime cannot take away the grace and joy and peace we have in Jesus. Sometimes what is needed is a little perspective. Amen. Our citizenship is in heaven, Philippians 3.20. Our God is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Revelation 19 and verse 16. And while there are injustices in this world that we ought to be at work to change, we ultimately trust in our God. So that however good or how wicked the system or society is, we will look to Him for grace and peace and joy. Enough said. Thank you for listening. We're about to sing our song of encouragement. Maybe someone tonight wants to put on Jesus and baptism. Have your sins washed away by the blood of our Lord. Maybe you want to be added to His church, and that's what happens when one believes and repents and is baptized for the forgiveness of sins. One is added to the church of Christ. The church we read about in our New Testament. Friend, that's all anybody here wants anyone to be part of. Is the body of Christ. And for those of us who are Christians. There's a lot to really be alarmed by. Concerning society and government and this old world. There's no question that that's true. But a better society cannot give us more grace and joy and peace than we can have in Jesus. And an even worse one than we presently see can't take that away from us in Jesus. May we all have that kind of trust in our God. Let's stand and sing.